0: Hello, and welcome to Peach Pod. I'm your host, Luke Boggs, and I'm joined today, surprise, not by Cal Hayes, but by Austin Wagner. How are you doing, Austin?
1: I'm doing great. How are you
0: doing? Uh, Better now that I've recovered from my strep throat that I uh, got over the past couple days, and hopefully my voice does not go out because uh, I've just started the recovery process. But uh, there's far more important things to talk about than my health. (laughs) We got a uh, giant race in Georgia to talk about. We've got the... Georgia's 6th Congressional District race, the John Ossoff race against Karen Handel, wrapping up in the next couple days. Uh, We've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with that, uh, mostly about the work that you've done on the race, but there's been some pretty interesting news about the race lately, and I wanted to hit on that. So we have seen uh, kind of two scary stories, really, in, in the race. We've seen... Uh, death threats to both Karen Handel and John Ossoff, right?
1: Yeah, I think there were um, some threats to both of them. Um, the, the most notable were the ones to Karen Handel, um, the letters that were sent to her and I think her neighbors as well with some mysterious powder that I think ended up being nothing, but still scary and, you know... Just uncalled for in, in any race in any situation so yeah then I think I, I saw that Ossoff received some threats as well I know he had a bodyguard with him I think was the AJC reported on that and some other things there so
0: I mean I, I guess with the you know congressional Republican baseball shooting that this is you know I I mean, I'm happy that they're taking precautions because obviously this is an important race and that this is a really important issue and there's going to be a lot of really important decisions made by whoever wins this seat. But in no way, shape or form does that justify violence against politicians or anyone in democracy, because that is the only way that we can maintain a successful democracy is that the threat of violence is not part of the equation that if you don't go the way of someone else that you know that's justification for you to be threatened physically um so i'm really hoping that that kind of tension can get tampered down sex yeah tampered down successfully and that both candidates can make it safely to election day which you know Uh, in a different environment we just take for granted but over the you know past couple days with what we saw um, here in Georgia and up in DC with the uh, DC shooting uh, unfortunately we can't take that for granted
1: yeah I mean it's just it's just uncalled for in any situation and I think you're looking at how much focus has been on this race um, just all over the country and then the amount of money that's being spent I think tensions are just going up quickly i mean we saw that what i think it's 10 times like per voter what a presidential election would be which is just insane and with that amount of, of money and time being put in by the campaigns it's just the rhetoric starts getting ratcheting up by not really the candidates but just everyone around it and i don't know i just hate to see that we're we're even at this point that these congressional candidates are getting death threats and it's frustrating to see, but hopefully we can kind of move away from that.
0: Yeah, hopefully so. Um, and slightly less serious, but still pretty pretty grave, uh, we have uh, another Dega leak from the Secretary of State, Brian Kemp. Uh, some more election Daga is going out there. So what's the uh, particulars of this leak?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll just quickly talk about that one. Um, You know, there's been a good amount of reporting on it in national media and local media. But the real quick version is um, somebody discovered that there was this kind of loophole in the the Georgia data system, I think, that's being hosted by Kennesaw State, which they might not be hosting it any longer because of some of these issues. Um, This was apparently some kind of loophole that was supposed to have been fixed, um, but wasn't entirely So the data was just open for anyone that knew how to search for it. Um,
0: So what what data are we talking about though?
1: I I haven't heard exactly, but they kept saying sensitive information. So I would imagine um, like all the information that. the personal information you don't want social security well it's yeah it's like election data, right so it's yeah, yeah just
0: your personal information your social security number address mm-hmm. age it, all it, like so that's that
1: the big issue because you know the voter file information anyone can purchase that of course it's basically public but um it's that sensitive information the social security numbers the birthdays the names attached to the voting records those kind of things um So, but it had been there for so long that Google had indexed the pages. So that means anyone with a good Google search could have found this information just in their search results, Um, which is just ridiculous that this is again happening, that we're having sensitive information um, being leaked in this way. I, I don't know if leaked is the right word, but at least accessible to the public.
0: Um, and that's why Brian Kemp wants to be the next governor of Georgia.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he has this excellent well, record. Also, like, having his his campaign social media connected to the Secretary of State's office, but that's maybe a uh, another story on Brian Kemp. Womp womp. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the um, the issue has been fixed at this point.
0: For now, for now, because at, at this point, until. Until Brian Kemp is no longer the Secretary of State of Georgia, I just expect my Daga to be, you know, sh- shot out into space and given to North Korea. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm I'm kind of surprised Brian Kemp just doesn't hand it out like candy because at this point, that might be a less efficient way than he's currently doing, <laughs> of giving out Daga. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, because like obviously, I want to be slightly fair here. This has been a pretty big problem for, like, the whole country. Like, the hacking issue has been a problem, where you have outside agents belligerently going against systems trying to extract data from them. That's one thing, but this is not that. This is actually, instead of someone having to work to break into a system, Brian Kemp is just, like, shooting it out like neon signs to for everyone to see. Um, If you, you know, as you said, know how to use Google, which most people do. So it's just pretty frustrating to me that like these basic things cannot be taken care of by our secretary of state. However, this the one thing that is still relevant to this race is from what everyone has been able to tell from this data leak. It probably hasn't been used in a way that's going to affect the georgia sixth race is that correct right
1: yeah that's my understanding it didn't affect the the voting machines or tallying and the data i don't think was is tampered with in any way it was just publicly accessible um so for the race itself i don't think there's any issue i know there was that political article that talked about will georgia's election be hacked and i mean i think that's just a uh, fun kind of
0: click I think article. I think that's political uh, yeah <laughs> so
1: but for the race itself I don't think there's anything to be concerned with um other than okay. hey your social security number is out there once again um and Kennesaw State should be worried because I think they're probably going to lose the contract because this was at least in mostly their problem because they weren't taking care of the data. So, yeah so
0: weird, watch out kansas states yeah i mean you know it's just I, i'm always i'm always just like very very confused when offices like the secretary of state like you have one job really it is to collect and protect sensitive Daga. like that is your job as secretary of state and brian Kemp continuously fails at it and like i said at a level that goes beyond the pale of the very legitimate, very scary issues that we face with like cyber attacks. You know, this is beyond that. So I don't know what the solution is other than a different secretary of state at this point, which at this point I would, I would take anyone over Brian Kemp. And, you know, luckily there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be, there's going to be someone new there because he is running for governor. So either way, someone new will be there. Um, so I'm excited for that. But anyway, let's let's focus on the issue at hand. That is the Georgia 6th race. You've been doing a bunch of interesting uh, research into that race. You've already put out uh, a couple of articles, a video. So um, for people that haven't seen that or even people that have, kind of give us a rundown of what you've already put out there, what findings you've had, uh, any interesting trends, and then uh, what you're hoping to finish up before the end of the race.
1: Yeah, so to talk about the stuff that, that's already been posted. Um, basically, a, I went back and looked at the, the turnout and the results from the primary election to try to understand what is the turnout that we're seeing now. What can we learn from that? What can we learn from the primary? You know, Not necessarily to try to predict the results, but get an idea of how the candidates performed and what they needed to do between then and election day to to finish it up so basically what i saw looking at the precincts with john ossoff you know i had been hearing that you know they had pushed all these new people to the polls that he was this turnout machine um you know that may be the case in some places but what i found is that his best precincts had some of the lowest turnout um and this isn't just off. This is consistent. So I looked back at the 2016 election and the the numbers there, and it was nearly identical. Um, you know, he shifted a few points, but basically, as the turnout went up, his numbers got worse. And the opposite, obviously, the case for the the Republican side of the vote. Um, so first off, that has to be a concern for for Ossoff especially when he think he was less than i think 4000 votes away from not having this go to a runoff and some precincts that he won with 75 80 plus percent of the vote had half of the average turnout in the 6th district you know had that moved up by you know from 20% turnout to 30% turnout we wouldn't have had this this extra race which is frustrating when you look at that especially given how tired i think we all are of hearing about the sixth district
0: um
1: i'm not tired of
0: it i I love every day of it
1: yeah um i'm sure the people that got the the letters with the powder weren't really thrilled (laughs) yeah
0: well i mean okay that's that's fair i mean i'm selfish though because i like you know Every every single time I like log into the Washington Post or I like log up a podcast, like the Georgia Six comes up, it's like, oh, you know, my state does matter. This is important. So yeah, for another yeah, couple I've always days. liked that. Yeah, at least for another couple of days, all eyes on Georgia. I I I have a question about that though. So. When you say his best district you're obviously saying like where he gets the highest percentage of the vote yeah. is where the turnout is also the lowest. So Exactly. And you say you look back at other years. So it doesn't seem like he's getting better numbers in some of the other districts. So even if when the turnout goes up if his numbers get worse, is he doing better than Democrats digging in that district usually in like other areas?
1: Yeah, so what we've seen and what I saw between 2016, the general election, and the primary here, the, like, shape of the graph, so when I plotted all these points, the shape of the graph was the same. The line had moved a little bit. You know, I think he got one and a half points more than Clinton on average. He needed three to win, but he got about one and a half more. But the shape was the same, so in general the democrats at least in these precincts and i think we'll find even more across the state um their best precincts have pretty low turnout so we're talking the precincts that they're winning 75 percent plus of the vote um have the lowest turnout and you see as it goes up the best turnout precincts were the best places for republicans um So he's kind of shifted it up just a little bit, but we haven't changed this kind of shape where it's this negative correlation where turnout goes up and the Democratic numbers go down. So going forward, that's going to be something that needs to be figured out. How do we turn out the strongest Democratic precincts? Um, So that's the kind of Ossoff side of it where, you know, if he really wants to put this in the bag... We have to shift those best precincts to a much higher turnout. Um, but the handle side of it, she's got to watch out too. And this is the biggest takeaway from my post and the analysis that I've done is that, in my opinion, and I think the numbers show it too, Cobb County is the place to watch on election day. Um, we'll see in the early turnout, they have the lowest rate of early turnout right now, Um DeCab and Fulton increased by a really substantial amount. Cobb has as well, but not as much. Um, But what we saw is that, you know, obviously there was Handel and a number of other candidates in the primary. So I wanted to see how did Handel do compared to these other people. Obviously the best performing precincts were people who didn't vote for Ossoff. That was kind of pushing turnout, but was it Handel or was it somebody else? So what I saw is that the highest turnout was in Cobb, most consistent turnout was in Cobb, but those were some of Karen Handel's worst precincts. So this high turnout came from people voting for someone other than Karen Handel and John Ossoff. Now, obviously, this is Judson Hill's former state Senate district that finished their runoff a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, obviously, people were voting for him, and that's clear. This was a strong territory for him. But you have to worry if you're Karen Handel that all these Republicans won't come back out and vote for you when they came out in droves to vote for somebody other than Karen Handel and other than John Ossoff. So, I think that's the place to watch and the biggest takeaway is Cobb County. Are they going to show up on Election Day and... If they do, are they going to vote for Karen Handel, which I think if they show up, you know, they're going to vote for probably vote for Karen Handel. Cobb County was the worst county uh, in the sixth district for John Ossoff. So I think that's pretty much a given for Karen Handel, but they got to show up. And with the lowest early vote turnout that we see now, it's even more important for Karen Handel to have people show up on Election Day.
0: Right. And as you were saying, though, Cobb County had the lowest early vote numbers the first time around. So it's not surprising that their turnout is so low right now.
1: Yeah, but also proportionally they've decreased. So that's some of what I'm looking at right now to put up um, on the, the website before Election Day. Um, is kind of looking at what we know about the early turnout. So just kind of in general, DeCab and Cobb had, um, close to the same early turnout. Um, so between nine and nine and a half percent of the registered voters voted early in Cobb and DeCab. This time it's tripled in DeKalb and almost 28% of the registered voters have voted early. Um, almost getting to the Fulton early turnout which is which is up above 30 percent um but Cobb only only doubled its turnout and it's sitting at about 18 percent and I should say this is without the the final day of early voting this is I think the Thursday numbers I haven't updated for Friday which had a good a good showing but Cobb is still proportionally much lower in the early vote than they were um, in the primary. So again, we're seeing maybe some evidence that the excitement that was there in Cobb County uh, hasn't hasn't kept pace in the runoff. We won't know obviously until all the votes are counted, but we'll start to get an idea of the Cobb um, if the Cobb locations have long lines on Tuesday and we're seeing really, really strong turnout there. Um, but I think if, if Cobb doesn't have the best turnout this time, like they did in the primary, then it's probably good news for John Ossoff and bad news for Karen Handel.
0: And am I wrong? Cause I, you know, unfortunately I, I can't remember exactly, but Karen Handel's like never run in Cobb County before. For any of her other positions, right? Um. Well. She, well, besides I mean, the statewide obviously. State. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Besides um, but that. yeah, I think it was all Fulton. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, she she is only in Fulton, and so that's why that's why uh, a lot of people are really surprised that she did so well in Fulton, but they already knew her, so maybe maybe that's the situation we're seeing because judson hill is being a pretty popular uh state singer he always wins races by pretty comfortable margins i mean of course gerrymandering thrown in but still um he is pretty well known in the area so you know maybe karen Handel is not going to be able to get the Cobb county voters to show up the way that uh judson hill was able to so i think it'll be pretty interesting to see uh, what happens there, and um, it's a pretty easy thing to look for for uh, people wanting some early signs of how the race is going to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an, it's important to remember that Osof did best in DeKalb County, and they've I think when the final numbers come in, they've more than tripled their early vote. Um, and this isn't the place where you know, it was Republicans who maybe were waiting to the last minute to make their decision in the primary. And that's why there was lower early turnout. I mean, most of the cab was pretty strong off territory. And now they've tripled the early vote. Um, and, you know, if you look at some of the stuff that Nate Cohn has done and looking at the de- demographics, sorry, the demographics of the the kind of new voters that didn't vote in the primary, it's much more younger, much more diverse, Um, all the things that we would kind of expect to lean in Osso's direction. Uh, You know, again, we don't know who they voted for, of course, and everything has to be counted. And there are good signs for Karen Handel. Um, Some of the other things, you know, that I've looked at is that her, the precincts where she did best, the early vote has, has increased pretty well, and just with the early vote, we're about two-thirds of the way to um, what the, the primary turnout actually was. And in fact, on, a, on another note, some of the precincts have already surpassed what the primary turnout was just in the early vote, which is really amazing when you're talking about a special election runoff that would normally see like less than ten percent turnout, and we're, you know, getting close to, you know, definitely above midterm levels, and you know, potentially, you know, getting to where uh, the general election could be, depending on how Election Day happens. Yeah,
0: I mean that, that's just so, insane numbers. Which I mean, I guess I guess that makes me feel better because, like, if you know, as I'm pretty sure we've mentioned, but you've probably seen if you've been following this race, this is the most expensive congressional race ever. <laughs> so, like, if they weren't able to get it almost up to general election, you know, presidential election year's numbers, like, I'd be kind of, like, worried if they had that many resources and they couldn't, yeah. you know, use them. Well, law.
1: it's like I said at the top, I mean, 10 times per voter what would be spent in a presidential race I mean, we should have massive turnout, but um, I mean, I don't think it'll get above 2016, which was, I think, record turnout for Georgia, but it's going to be pretty high, but it's still disappointing to me that we've spent this much money on a congressional race. Obviously I understand the, you know, it's more psychological victory than anything else. You know, it's a single seed, obviously
0: myself and the, It's not a psychological victory. I mean, it's a real victory. John Ossoff is a significantly better— He is, and I'm saying— You know, he's a a better candidate for the race and and for the district because Karen Handel is, again, as I've gotten mad about many times, is running a tired, lazy campaign, and for that, you know, I hope that the district punishes her because even if on some issues she might be closer to the district— she is doing the stereotypical, super-ultra-conservative lines that should not be rewarded anymore. And until voters don't reward stuff like that, that's the kind of races and the kind of candidates we're going to see. So, if anything, I hope that is the lesson that gets drawn out of this race. If Ossoff wins, is that Republicans are going to have to try harder to run if they're going to run against Democrats who actually have a message and actually have plans and want to do something. But- I mean,
1: I think I'm talking on the grand scheme. Like... This is about messaging, about, like I said, a psychological victory. We're talking one congressional seat, and we've spent more money than even the most successful Senate campaigns across the country, where this money could be used to elect state House representatives all across the state when Democrats haven't been contesting even a majority of the state House seats in Georgia. This money could be used... make a big difference in the state legislature and the governor's race in any of these places and don't get me wrong obviously i think this can this can help with the 2018 cycle for democrats in the state and around and obviously it's bringing a lot of tension to georgia which as democrats in georgia it's nice to you know finally have some attention but overall it's it's one congressional seat, and it can send a message and send that psychological victory or defeat, depending on your side. But it still is a congressional seat. It doesn't shift the balance in Congress. It doesn't do that kind of stuff. Obviously, I want John Ossoff to win. I think he's in a much better candidate than than Karen Handel, and you know the Republicans obviously think the reverse. But you know, there's there's that side of it. But it's still one
0: congressional seat. Yeah, well, I don't know. I I, I always just think about things. Uh, uh, you know, you you win one battle at a time, and yeah, I think that's true. Even even Ossoff would be able to do things such as you know constituent services better than Handel, just from how he's approached the race and the fact that he actually seems to care about his constituents and try to. Uh, focus on the issues that are important to them rather than doing the tired D.C. Nancy Pelosi is the devil and gonna steal your children well, type messaging. There's
1: that. Yeah, I just I just hope the money keeps coming to other places like state house races, state senate races, yes. those kind of things. That's my my point more on these, right. especially in Georgia. When and I agree with that, the districts are drawn like they are. We're gonna we're gonna redraw after the 2020 census. There's a lot of important things in the state house over the next two to four years and we've got to make sure that 25 million that came for ossoff comes in again to elect some more democrats to the state house and actually contest some races so
0: yeah to to wrap up here uh what what all else should people look for from you uh until the sixth thing what uh do we have to look forward to after the election's over
1: yeah so first thing on the sixth i'm gonna post some of the stuff that I've looked at with the early vote. Um, I'll, I'll probably leave most of the demographic analysis to Nate Cohn because he's done such a great job with it, and I'll link to some of his work. But I've looked at some different things that he, he hasn't done, so I'm going to post some of that about um, kind of the breakdowns with the the best off precincts and the hand-up precincts and what we've seen different from, from the primary to now. Uh, beyond that, we're going to have a – a nice little watch guide for um, for everyone to, to kind of follow along as the results come in. Um, we've put together a, a spreadsheet that we're going to be updating throughout election night um, that'll give you an idea of the comparisons between the primary, both as a kind of raw vote total, just how many more votes there actually are in each precinct, but also kind of looking at the benchmarks for both sides and what percentages they should be looking for in each of the precincts. So you can kind of get an idea as the early vote comes in different places um, how the night's looking. Uh, So you're not just kind of staring at a bunch of numbers and not really sure what they mean. This is going to help try to interpret some of that. So look for that um, on election day. I'll get that posted. Uh, Beyond this, um, I'm going to be looking at doing some of the same analysis I done with the sixth strict for the uh, 2016 election kind of finally get to a recap um, and you know look at some of the precinct numbers look where Democrats were doing well how we've improved that kind of stuff just go back before <laughs> the sixth election and actually talk about 2016 again and what that means going forward so yeah, that's well, what great. you have to look forward to
0: yeah, well, I definitely uh, look forward to the work you've done because, uh, as I've mentioned to you, I understand everything that you do. I just don't quite understand how you do it. So, <laughs> yeah, there there is that. Um, uh, what wasn't the major impediment to you doing the uh, two thousand sixteen ele- election review was the Daily Coast just hadn't posted Georgia for some reason. Uh, yeah, that was part of it. I wanted to go back
1: and look at the the state house races and kind of see how the model i had posted before the election how it did um have, what have we they can learn from it one those of those bases. they did post it um for the state house um just for the presidential numbers i i'm waiting to see the senate numbers but i know they're going through just, all 50 states yeah, I, i'm i'm just always begging for georgia to be first but yeah it was fine it was still a reasonable time
0: i, I just point this out because i find it hilarious because a lot of my friends that do this work and i mean i do it too uh just not as intricately as you guys do just like so many people are reliant on the daily coast's Daga, like on both sides of the aisle and i just find it hilarious that like there's no other people that like do it and, i mean i guess that just points out like how ridiculously yeah. hard it is but it's tough you look yeah, at you know, I, I just all the split i've always just found that funny and-
1: yeah, but even the national news uses Daily Coast now. It's like cited in yep. New York Times articles. Nate Cohn and Nate Silver point to Daily Coast instead of doing it on their own because it takes so long. Yeah. So, all fun. right. Daily well, Coast has created their
0: niche. Yes, they they have they have their niche, and they hopefully they will keep doing it and yeah. uh, put some more staffers on it so we can get a little quicker and uh, we can sleep sounder with our. Pretty nice sure it's cushy all volunteer. Data. Yeah. Oh so, wow, that's insane. Yeah um it's just yeah political uh i don't know how to
1: put it the political crazies like i guess that guess that uh they just want the data so they're gonna do it on their own and post it for everyone so there and you it's, go it's accurate Demo- and democracy and action it,
0: so. yeah all right Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to this uh, Peach Pod Watch Guide for the Georgia's sixth congressional race. Thank you, Austin, for being here to run us through that. Look forward to the work you put together and let us know if you have any questions or comments about it. And uh, hopefully we can have a really exciting night for Democrats. Um, We've we've suffered through a lot of close calls and all these special elections thus far, so I'm hoping we can uh, get a W on the board alright everybody have a good one that's our
1: show for the week if you like what you heard you can share this show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a
0: rating and a review it really helps other people find our show our interns this week are Alana Pierce and Courtney Clark and we will talk to you next week take care y'all